that's what the Jamaica announcement is all about. So the U.S. they 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 know that Haitians will dislike the mission. They know that Haitians, you know, have been res resisting foreign interference since since they beat Napoleon, and yeah. and the U.S. wants foreign troops in Haiti, but does not want to pay the political cost of having white U.S. soldiers having to shoot into crowds of black Haitians. So what they're trying to do is to they're trying to outsource it, and, and they kind of the U.S. has asked Canada to has deputized Canada to go around the Caribbean and to ask people to to join the troops. And they started this back in October, and initially it did not work. No one jumped on. I think I think Ralph Gonzalez of of St. Vincent was was the most articulate, saying, "Hey, look, we'll be seen as propping up a a, a government that is illegitimate." and doing international communities bidding. We can't do that. We should only send troops if there's a political solution. And everybody else seemed to agree to that, although everybody was quiet about it. You know, I'm not sure what the recent announcement by Jamaica is. Maybe Jamaica thinks that there's no chance that this mission is gonna happen, so that at least they can carry favor. But it is clearly you know, not something that Haitians want. And it's something that, you know, that Haitians, all of, you know, I'll, I'll be to be honest. Many Haitians who are, you know, feel they have no other option. They're cowering every day under, you know, from gang violence. They think, okay, uh, the only possible solution that the international community will let happen is foreign intervention. But every political party not connected with the government, civil society organizations, human rights groups, journalists, every single public statement has been on the intervention in Haiti has been against that intervention. What opportunities are there for CARICOM to reinvent itself, Guyana's oil, and the Haitian crisis? Again, what opportunities are there for CARICOM, the Caribbean community, to reinvent itself? Guyana's oil and the Haitian crisis? This week, CARICOM, the Caribbean community, is meeting for their biannual meeting Wednesday to Friday. Haiti and Guyana's oil will be on the table. By the way, we have a poll. We have a poll that is available on our Spotify platform on the community page at the Neoliberal Round Podcast. And it will be available on our Twitter page, the Neoliberal Co. and Ronaldo McKenzie. We will also have one on our Reddit page in the Neoliberal Post. 
and one will be available in Ronaldo McKenzie Red uh, LinkedIn page. But um, this is the this is the uh, the poll or the question: What opportunities are there for Caricom to reinvent itself? And there are multiple options: one, Guyana's oil; two, capital-intensive investments; three, stronger union and a single market and economy; four, strategy; five, the, the diaspora; six, science and technology; seven, more transparency in governance and accountability. Again, we have a question that is available on our Twitter page at Ronaldo McKenzie and Vanilla Boko. Also available in our LinkedIn page at Renald, Reverend Ronaldo McKenzie, and on our um, and also on the community page, Spotify, the neoliberal round. The question we have is: What opportunities are there for Caricom to reinvent itself? A. Guyana's oil. B. Capital-intensive investments. C. Stronger union and the single market economy. Uh, D. Strategy. E. The diaspora. Um, F. Science and technology. And the last one is more transparency in governance and accountability. And you can participate by going on our social media platforms or, of course, you can also visit um, the Spotify platform. But, of course, this particular um, uh, podcast is available on on various uh, streams in audio. This is the Nailable Around Podcast. We are serving the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges by making popular what was the problem. Please support us by going to anchor.fm slash the neoliberal slash support and visit us at https forward slash https colon forward slash forward slash the neoliberal.com or renaldocmckenzie.com The discussions on the neoliberal round and in Caribbean thought at the Jamaica Theological Seminary are proving to be timely as some Caricom countries are open to intervening in Haiti by force, while Guyana's discovery of oil is being discussed as an opportunity for them to reinvent themselves. However, what's lacking is capital-intensive investments to boost capacity to operate around the final stages of production and unselfish unity. CARICOM must take the lead, not the US and Canada. Now this requires meeting with and this on as it relates to Haiti, CARICOM must take the lead, not the US or Canada. Now this requires meeting with Haitians on the ground to find a workable solution. Not making decisions about Haiti that caters to one side without including all sides. Where's the diplomacy in that? Intervention by force will fail. Haitians are opposed to any intervention by force. However, they need intervention that includes them, one that is led by them. Anything else that disempowers them, that takes away their pride of independence, will be transient or short-lived. And the discovery of oil in Guyana 
and the investment and development in financial technology by young professionals may provide the answers the Caribbean needs to need to reinvent itself. Michael Manley and Edward Siaga may have found a socio-political remedy through capitalism and Marxism. Later, Bob Marley, their contemporaries, promoted a new religious consciousness, saying they look to religious consciousness, not one based in econ economics, which led to his Rastafari. Then there were sports. Then there were sports, arts, culture, Merlin Otty, Usain Bolt, Jimmy Cliff and the reggae movement, Beanie Man, Louise Bennett Curvely, Rex Neckleford and the Jamaica dance movement. Yet the prosperity still resided around servicing the tourist industry. However, through the years, the Caribbean has redefined itself, learning and, re and reshaping while still building on its new self and prowess in the arts and culture since culture defined the nation. So that today, young Jamaicans continue to display their indomitability and creativity, carving out a future for Jamaica. People like Kevin Donaldson, who had recently created Jamaica's own remittance company and unveiled a plan for the development of a huge corporate hub. However, work is becoming remote, so how is this revolutionary? That's what's coming up on the Neoliberal Round podcast today. But first, here's an excerpt of a recent interview that I did with Brian Concanon, Executive Director of the Institute for Democracy and the Institute for Justice and Democracy in Haiti. This, this particular podcast comes on the heel of what we know is a CARICOM by annual or by annual meeting. This week, Caribbean community, the Secretariat, is meeting for their biannual meeting Wednesday to Friday. Haiti will be on the table. Some CARICOM countries are open to intervention by force. Now, for those of us who are not aware, we've been, we just recently interviewed the Executive Director for the Institute for Justice and Democracy in Haiti, that is Mr. Brian Concanon. And, and the interview was quite revealing because we learned several things. That, of course, since the assassination or the death of, of the, the former president, President Moise of Haiti, there has been quite, uh, uh, there's been quite a lot of tension and infighting. The prime minister of Haiti was installed by a coalition government between the U.S. and Canada, I understand. And, uh, and there has not been a democratically elected um, prime minister or president since the assassination and the Haitian people are against this president or this prime minister now I understand from the, during the interview that Canada or US through Canada is trying to pressure CARICOM to intervene to send intervention force into Haiti to quell the resistance and this is also on the request of the the, the installed prime minister, prime minister who is not elected by the people. There might be some people who are, there are people who are calling for him to go. And of course, the, 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 the issue is, I understand f during the interview that um, the prime minister of St. Vincent, Gonzalez, uh, last year, November, rejected the, the, um, the, 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 um, the request to be a part of any intervention force. Jamaica is considering it. But today, and several other Caribbean countries will learn, 
are seriously considering acquiescing to the U.S. and Canada by, by sending an intervention force. An intervention force. So, you know, the discussions, the discussions here are quite timely, especially the fact that I teach a class Caribbean thought. So the discussions are quite timely. And, you know, uh, I hope that, that CARICOM takes the lead. Not the U.S. or Canada. Because this requires meeting with the people on the ground to find a workable solution. Not making decisions about Haiti that caters to one side without including all sides. But where is the, where is the, the, the diplomacy? Intervention by force will fail. I'm telling you this. Intervention by force will fail. Haitians are opposed to any intervention by force. And of course, however, however, they need intervention. However, they need intervention, but one that includes them and one that is led by them. Again, intervention by force will fail. Haitians are opposed to any intervention by force. However, they need intervention. They need intervention, but one but one that includes them and one that is led by them. Anything else that disempowers them and their pride of independence will be transient. And by them, I don't mean this prime minister who many oppose. This prime minister is not elected. He was put there as if he's a governor, as if they are Cayman Islands, as if Haiti, Haiti is a colony of the US and, they get, and, a, and, and the group and the UK or Great Britain install a governor. It takes away from their independence, from their pride. And this prime minister is requesting um, intervention to quell the resistance against him. What they need to do is to arrange a demo, to plan a democratically held, to, to plan an election in, 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 in Caricom. But this particular story, this particular um, podcast today is not about Haiti and what's going on in Haiti. It's really about the Caribbean. And just so you know, you can go to our our website, thenailable.com, and go to the Nailable Journals. And there is a or the top story you will see the Nailable Round breaking interview with Brian Concanon on Haitian justice. Brian Concanon on Haitian justice. And in there, we also put provided a letter from the managing attorney Mario Joseph, Mar- Mario Joseph, who who said who ended who who said that we do not need any kind of intervention in Haiti. cost of having white U.S. soldiers having to shoot into crowds of black Asians. Uh, so what they're trying the to do the is to, they're trying to outsource it and, and they've kind of, U.S. has asked Canada to, has deputized Canada to go around the Caribbean and to ask people to, to join the troops. And they started this back in October and initially it did not work. No one jumped on, I think, I think Ralph Gonzalez of of St. Vincent Vincent, was was the most articulate, saying, hey, look, we'll be seen as propping up a a, a government that is illegitimate and doing international communities bidding. We can't do that. We should only send troops if there's a political solution. And everybody else seemed to agree to that, although we were quiet about it. I'm not sure what the recent announcement by Jamaica is. Maybe Jamaica thinks that there's no chance that this mission is going to happen so that at least they can carry favor. But it is clearly 
you know, not something that Haitians want, and it's something that you know that Haitians all of you know, I'll, I'll be to be honest, many Haitians who are you know feel they have no other option, they're cowering every day under you know from gang violence. They think okay, uh, the only possible solution that the international community will let happen is foreign intervention. But every political party not connected with the government, civil society organizations, human rights groups, journalists, every single public statement has been on the intervention in Haiti has been against that intervention. Yeah. Uh, my colleague Mario Joseph actually wrote a very eloquent letter to, to Terracom. Yes, uh, and I, hope, I would love to get a copy of that. If he could send that to me, that would be great because I would love to see see a copy of that letter. As soon as we're done, you'll have a copy. Yes, but you said, so you wrote a letter to CARICOM. Yes. Saying, uh, back in October when it was suggested, okay. you know, explaining why it was a bad idea. And, you know, yes. starting with, as you mentioned, back to 1804, this was this was the uh, beginning of CARICOM liberation. Right, yes. And, and, he, and he felt, you know, that by by supporting an intervention that is being being developed by former slave-owning countries yes. to come into Haiti to prop up a, an unpopular government yes. is a betrayal of Haiti's um, of Haiti's revolution and all that it means for the you know the Afro-descendant world. He also felt this is actually really important. He felt it was a betrayal of the example that Caricom set in in two thousand four. So two yes. centuries ahead of eighteen oh four, two thousand four. The U.S. kidnapped Haiti's elected president, Jean-Bertrand Aristide, and sent yes. him in, in exile. Um, first to to the uh, the Central African Republic, which was very dangerous for him, and then Jamaica uh, hosted uh, President Aristide for a few well, weeks. Yeah, the U.S. was putting so much pressure that they you know only do that temporarily, and then, then President Aristide eventually got safety in South Africa. But along that, Caricom really stood up for democracy because CARICOM has within its charter has democracy provisions. It says, you know, this is a CARICOM is an organization of democracies. If there is an interruption in, in, in the democratic order, that has consequences for membership. And CARICOM never recognized the de facto government that took over. Okay. By contrast, the Organization of American States, of which CARICOM is half the membership first of all. Yes, half that is has identical democracy provisions, and they refuse to even have a debate about implementing. And again, it's because the OAS is 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 is, is dominated by by the United States. Caricom, you know, obviously, the U.S. can apply a lot of pressure on on, on small countries in Caricom yes. with tourism bans and travel. Yes. Despite that's of that, the Caricom stood up and they said, "We're under pressure, but we care about democracy," and they resisted. Okay. Um, and that's one of the things that Mario Joseph said. Hey, look, Caricom showed the world what principled reaction to a democratic threat meant, and and by sending troops now, it would betray that that uh, that that example. That was the interview I had with Brian Conkanen, uh last week, Friday or Thursday, concerning the Haitian crisis and this. Um, question as to whether or not CARICOM should acquiesce to the U.S. and Canada to send an intervention force while people on the ground are opposing it. The Haitians are opposing it. That's what's coming up on the Neoliberal Round podcast. Of course, CARICOM meets for their biannual meeting this week, this week, Wednesday to Friday, 
And um, of course, of course, there is also this. They have found oil. They, some time ago, they found oil. Sometime they found oil off the shores of Guyana, off the shores of Guyana. And Mr. Dane McGibbon, in his article, which was letter of the day in the Jamaica Gleaner on the 26th of February of, of January, um, said that um, ex exploited the idea of this oil and what the, and the opportunity that this provides for the Caribbean. So I, I, I so the question, so the question is, the question is, what opportunities are there for Caricom to reinvent itself? Given this Haitian crisis, one and of course, and 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 the, and the decision that they have to make, and of and secondly, this 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 Guyana's oil. That's that's what and Guyana's oil and the and, where, and what opportunities there are. This the episode promises to be quite powerful. We are going to provide some commentary, some more commentary and update on the on the on the Haitian crisis, and of course, we are going to delve into the opportunity that um that the Caribbean, uh that the Caribbean have had to 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 reinvent itself given this discovery of oil and what Dan McGibbon is saying and um, whether or not this provides any hope of course I I, I challenge this as a post-colonial skeptic the episode promises to be powerful it promises to be erudite as usual stay tuned and stay on for the ride And what he's saying is that the Haitian people are today are looking to CARICOM as they meet to extend the example the community set in 2004. Not betray it. We do not want our CARICOM sisters and brothers to come with guns to help powerful countries impose a, re a repressive regime on us. We want our sisters and brothers to come in solidarity with respect and democratic principles. We want CARICOM to once again insist that the international community stop supporting an unconstitutional imposed regime and allow Haitians to find a democratic, allow Haitians, the Haitians, the Haitians to find a democratic sustainable solution to our political crisis. The Haitians want to do it. Sit down with the Haitians, not with someone who is imposed, a governor that is installed upon them. That's part of the problem. How are you going to fix the problem by responding to someone who many Haitians don't recognize and who is not democratically elected. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. And I made the point, I actually, I updated the article. I update, I, I update, and this, this, you can see the full interview on the neoliberal by Ronaldo McKenzie, the neoliberal around by Ronaldo McKenzie, the full interview, this interview is available in, in video on YouTube. And I think it's also available on previous podcasts in audio. Um, and I, I made the point some time ago that um, that um, where we, I'm trying to find it, if I could actually, it seems as if I don't, I did not add that. But this is a very important point um, that I should have included. And I did not include it because I taught in the class recently about um, what is uh, there's a, a sailor James who was from Trinidad who was interested in the 1930s 40s who wrote the book Jacobins that look at the Haitian Revolution and how uh, how Haiti was able to to and uh, to sing how they were able to chant how they were able to beat to beat France and Napoleon but I you know that's quite laughable. That's quite laughable because 
I wrote some time ago, I wrote some time ago that we celebrate Haiti as the first former colonized black country to successfully lead a revolution, beating Napoleon and France. But France turned around and charged them, the Haitians, $24 billion in 1800s, which was like, today would be a trillion dollars, $24 billion to recognize their freedom, which Haiti gullibly paid. That has held them down. That has held them down. That has held the Haitians down. They gullibly paid it. But yet still, we hail them. We hail, we hail them. We hailed Haiti as one of the first former colonized countries. And in the book, The Jacobins, they talk about how was he able to out... He did not outsmart them, it seems. He did not outsmart them. Because they turned around and it's still... They were, now, now, they were held down by debt. They didn't pay the debt until 2004. And later we learned... Later, we learned in the, in the broadcast that I carried with the interview that President Aristide was trying to, in 2004, in 2004, when things seemed to be going in the right direction for Haiti, but many Haitians didn't understand, and I didn't understand that either. They were trying to negotiate a deal. I mean, sorry, they were trying to put together a claim against France to recoup the $24 billion that was stolen. But it would have set a dangerous precedent in the world if... President Aristide was successful in this legal claim, in suing France for these $24 billion, which they had to pay them for, 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 to recognize their freedom after they got their freedom to, 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 as an independent nation. They turned around and paid $24 billion. He put together a suit, Aristide, the former prime minister in, in 2003, 2004. But then later he was abducted. By, I understand by the US based on the inter but based on the interview I have. You guys can go watch the interview, the complete interview that's on YouTube. It's breaking. Arrested this abducted this guy. But then we we thought it was an extradition. But it wasn't an extradition. He was abducted. And then later he had to drop and dismiss this case. This case. Because it would have set a precedent because all other former former colonial masters would now have to would have now have to give back money to these former colonies. It would have set a dangerous precedence. But this is quite interesting and this is quite powerful. But that's not what this, the, the, the news is about today. We think about what's happening in the Caribbean as the as the as the as the, as the, as the Caribbean as the Caribbean community meet Wednesday to, to Friday this week. We ask the question: What opportunities are there to reinvent the Caribbean? If people are using debt, which is a strategy to hold down countries, using debt as a strategy to keep down countries, what what opportunities are there to reinvent the Caribbean? The discovery of oil in Guyana and the investment and development in financial technology by young professionals may provide the answers the Caribbean needs to reinvent itself. Michael Manley and Edward Siaga may have found a sociologic, a sociopolitical remedy through capitalism or Marxism. Later, Bob Marley, their contemporaries, promoted a new religious consciousness, saying they looked to a religious consciousness, not to one based in economics, which led to his Rasta Tafari. Then there was sports, arts and culture with Merlin Otty and Usain Bolt. Jimmy Cliff and the reggae movement. Beanie Man, Louise Bennett, Rex Nettleford, 
CLR James uh, and, the, and, the, and the Jamaican dance movement, Rex Nettleford and the Jamaican dance movement. Yet the prosperity still resided around servicing the tourist industry. However, through the years, the Caribbean has redefined itself, learning and reshaping while still building on its new self and prowess in the arts and culture, since culture defines a nation. So that today, young Jamaicans continue to display their indomitability and creativity, carving out a future for Jamaica. People like Kevin Donaldson, who had recently created Jamaica's own remittance company where internationals can send and receive money and their, and their takeover of quick cash or quick money, something of the sort. Today, they unveiled a plan for the development of a huge corporate hub. However, we are moving towards tectonic technology so that work is becoming remote. So how is this revolutionary, this new hub that they are building? Now, in 2021, I wrote an article published in the Jamaica Gleaner asking, is there any hope for Jamaica and the Caribbean? This was in light of the discontent and unrest over the years, rising poverty and corruption, mixed and missed opportunities. However, I recently stumbled on a story in the Gleaner, Jamaica Gleaner, that provided hope for another major development and opportunity for the Caribbean. This was in oil and natural resources. I was reading about some news of discovery in the Caribbean. It was a letter in the Gleaner submitted by Dane McGibbon dated January 26, 2023, entitled, Investing in Guyana could be the answer and was the letter of the day. Now, in retrospect, when the Europeans came, they were looking for gold. There was none. However, they used the islands to produce sugar, which provided the profit they needed until they found other resources and became less interested in the Caribbean. However, according to Dane McGibbon, today, the discovery of oil off the shores of Guyana may, may prove to be another opportunity for the Caribbean to reinvent itself. However, I must warn that we do not get too optimistic and make the same mistakes that the Congolese states are having with their uranium, which has not provided any improvement for Congos. Only civil wars over control of uranium lands and nepotism and influence from outsiders waiting for opportunities to penetrate and re-monopolize their lands. Nevertheless, according to Dane in the article, eight years ago, and I read, and, I, and this is the article, eight years ago, in May 2015, the shape of the Caribbean changed. The first substantial deposits of oil were discovered off the shores of Guyana, a country that until then had struggled despite its richness in natural resources such as bauxite and gold. But blessed with a new type of gold, the modest South American country, has since managed to grow leaps and bounds. Now, as Minister Auburn Hill leads his second mission to Guyana, a new idea has formed. The staggering pace of Guyana's recent growth cannot be overstated until the emergence of oil and gas. Guyana was the second poorest economy in GDP in the Western Hemisphere, trailing only Haiti. However, by the end of 2021, the Guyana or the, the country, Guyana, the country had a GDP per capita that was twice Jamaica's and almost on par with that of Mexico. Foreign investors, foreign investors understand, understandably came flocking from far and wide and what they discovered when they arrived was GASCI, the Guyana Association of Securities Company and Intermediaries, GASCI, stock exchange was formed in 2003 and and 
only has 19 listings and 4 licensed brokers. However, it has still seen unprecedented growth similar to that of Guyana's GDP with its total market cap increasing by 425% in the past 5 years and by 58% during 2022 alone. According to the Guyana America's Merchant Bank, Jamaican investors are both welcomed and accommodated, with the steps necessary to open an investment account from Jamaica being nearly identical to the experience locally despite the distance. This now presents Jamaican investors with an obvious opportunity. Get in early and ride the wave. Invest in an economy with, all, with almost guaranteed growth. As the proceeds of Guyana's oil and gas industry create a newly enriched population with suddenly significant amount of disposable income, it can be expected that retail investment in Gasky will spring to life and Jamaican investors who were already in the market will benefit the most. But there will also be the possibility for Guyana to invest in Jamaica by helping to develop Gasky cross-listing Jamaican companies and even establishing a branch of the JSE, Jamaica Stock Exchange in Guyana. There is the opportunity for, the, for a strategic partnership that, transcend, that transcends commercial exchange and creates not just wealth but inter-ownership between the countries. But what does this have to do with CARICOM? To many Jamaicans, the Caribbean Community Secretariat or the CARICOM still represents unity in unity in name alone. And I've argued that. We are talking about the problem of unity within the Caribbean. We have made progress in trade and right of movement through the CSME, CARICOM, CARICOM Single Market and Economy. But true integration. But true integration has always required something further. It requires ownership. Ownership gives us a tangible interest in the success of a, of a company and by extension a country's wider economy. Jamaica and Trinidad have come far and the Eastern Caribbean has done well. But Guyana presents a unique mixture of opportunities that can kickstart this process while benefiting everyone involved. The synergy of exchanging funding across our borders will supercharge our economies, providing Guyanese companies with the capital they will need to scale and Jamaican investors with lucrative investments and vice versa. But its true power may actually lie in strengthening the CARICOM community. In an industry that is so driven by self-interest, we suddenly have the opportunity to serve both ourselves and each other. Investing in Guyana individually and as a country could be the answer. That's Dan McGibbon in Jamaica Gleaner dated January 26, 2023, letter of the day. Investing in Guyana could be the answer. I responded. However, I beg to differ with Mr. McGibbon. Because what's lacking is capital-intensive investment to boost their capacity, for the, to boost their, the Caribbean's capacity, to boost the Caribbean's capacity, to operate around the final stages of production. Again, it's not just about ownership. What's lacking is capital-intensive investment to boost Caribbean capacity to operate around the final stages of production. Jamaica has bauxite, but it has not led to any meaningful development and prosperity. Guyana has gold, and they also have bauxite. Same thing. 
We do not have the capacity, the Caribbean, to use raw material and turn into aluminium. We give that part of the process to post-industrial countries and buy it for an arm and a leg, securing loans. Euro uranium has not helped the Congos. They are having civil wars over their uranium while post-industrial countries wait on the sidelines. The Caribbean has always had oil, Trinidad, and there were partnerships in Venezuela, yet that has not materialized into anything fruitful for the Caribbean. So Dane's argument is a hopeful one. The Caribbean has not been devoid of investments and opportunities, but we have squandered them. One person asks, where's the money? In, 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 a, in, in, a, in, in a Netflix film, Life and Death, where's the money? Corruption has long been a sore issue in Jamaica. But, and in, in a movie, sorry, The Cost of Corruption, written by um, a, 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 a film narrated by, um, Rex, by Dr. Trevor Monroe, who was the executive director and part founder of the National Integrity Agency in Jamaica. And there was a film, Cost of Corruption, on YouTube that talks about corruption, which has long been, been a sore issue, not just in Jamaica, but in other, in lots of the, glo the global South countries or post-colonial countries. Politicians have misused the money and or mismanaged it, and some have used it for personal gains. Jamaica has been on the UK radar for quite some time, and the Jamaica Gleaner and I pu pu published an article indicating, and the name of the article was Crooked Politicians on UK Radar. And you can see this article that I'm reading from in the Neoliberal Journal at theneoliberal.com entitled, um, what's the, uh, what will, um, uh, entitled, um, what will reinvent the Caribbean? Is it diamonds oil? Now, further, in 1952, when the deposit, when the first deposits of bauxite were discovered in Jamaica, it marked a new era in Jamaica and the Caribbean. Now, fast forward 73 years later, what has been the result of this natural resource? There is no doubt that Jamaica, like many Caribbean islands, has resources and has been given billions of dollars in investment over the last 70 years. But we have not profited from these. Today, the Caribbean is selling off its beaches and slowly losing the very thing that it has. It's tropical beauty. It's tropical beauty. Mainly enjoyed by tourists and, and the profits, most of it sent back overseas as royalties, while whatever is left is wasted on government aesthetics and the technocrats' comforts of position. The selfishness that has defined the Caribbean, that had led to the demise of the West Indies Federation in 1958, and several attempts to strengthen the Treaty of Chagaramos into a stronger union, is the same selfishness that persists, that has dogged our development to each his own. In this drive to realize the nation, the unity, and community gets lost in nationalists' personal interests of self-government. The issue was either to share power or keep power for self. So if Guyana's oil provides any hope for the Caribbean, it must be a hope that must lead to something better and requires learning from the past and moving away from the selfish and competitive drives that had truly affected the power of what Caribbean unity could bring and mean for the Caribbean. Now, the, what's the, for those of us who don't know about the Caribbean community or CARICOM, the CARICOM is a grouping of 20 countries, 15 member states and 5 associate members. It is home to approximately 16 million citizens, 60% of whom are under the age of 30 and from the main ethnic groups of indigenous peoples, Africans, Indians, Europeans, Chinese, Portuguese and Javanese. The community is multilingual with English as the major language. 
complemented by French and Dutch and variations of these, as well as African and Asian expressions. The Treaty of Chagaramas, for those of us who don't know, was established by the, the, the is the treaty that establishes the Caribbean community and common market, popular, popularly known as CARICOM. It was signed on the 4th of July, 1973, in Chagaramas, Trinidad and Tobago. It was signed by Barbados, Guyana, Jamaica, and Trinidad and Tobago. It came into effect on the 1st of August, 1973. The treaty established the regional institution while replacing the Caribbean Free Trade Association, which ceased to exist on the 1st of May, 1974. The revised treaty signed in 2001 created the Caribbean single market and economy. Now in 2003, oh, I, I must add, I must add, I must add, see, this is very important. This is, this is a very important issue. The conclusion from the interview was this. We celebrate Haiti as the first former colonized black country to successfully lead in a revolution beating Napoleon and France. But France turned around and charged them 24 billion to recognize their freedom, which Haiti gullibly paid. That has held them down. We may need to revisit Sierra James' work, The Jacobins, which hailed the Haitians as genius, beating the French. But did they really beat the French when they were beholden to them until 2004, when Haiti paid off the debt? In 2003, President Jean Bertrand Aristide put together of Haiti, put, from President of Haiti, put together a legal claim against the French to recoup the, recoup the debt that they, France, had forced on Haiti in order, in order to recognize their independence. Now, this was illegal. Aristide decided to sue France for 24 billion. But this would have opened the door for broader reparations. It would open the door for a huge call for reparations by all former colonies. So Aristide was abducted so as to get the restitution go away. We had once thought it was an extradition, but Brian challenges this, saying it was a kidnapping, and invoked two Jamaican officials who were present at the time. This is all on the on the interview. It was quite powerful, and this is an opportunity for the Carib for Caricom to. And that is why it's important for CARICOM to also start to learn from history and to revisit people like um, Edward Siaga, who talked about strategy. Strategy. And we, the, people, the people in their local knows what's best for them and the strategy that works for them. This is the Neoliberal Around Podcast, brought to you by the Neoliberal Corporation, serving the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges by making popular what was the monopoly. I'm, and of course, I'm Ronaldo McKenzie, your host and author of Neoliberalism, Globalization, Income Inequality, Poverty and Resistance. The, co the, conversation and the conversations and discussions here is also part of a new book I will be releasing shortly entitled Neoliberal Globalization Reconsidered with contributions from Professor Emeritus Dr. Martin Oppenheimer. Now, I also teach a class, Caribbean Thought, and some of these discussions are available um, in, in, in lecture form via video on YouTube 
at the neoliberal round by Ronaldo McKenzie. Of course, I will provide um, several, I'm uploading a, a, a four-hour lecture that speaks to some of these very same issues. It's available on YouTube, but not available on podcasts as yet. Please support us by going to anchor.fm slash the neoliberal slash support. Email me at ronaldocmckenzie at gmail.com or ronaldo.mckenzie at jts.edu.jm. My name is spelled without the O, R-E-N-A-L-D-O. It's a pleasure. Please send me a feedback. Let us know your, 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 let's know your ideas surrounding this particular topic. What good?